All right, but hey, let's get into the Word of God. Uh, if you'd remain standing, I want you to go to Psalm chapter 65, Psalm chapter 65. And while you're looking for Psalm 65, by the way, if you don't have a Bible, uh, download one on your mobile device. And just go to uh, your app store, look for the version app. It's a great app and uh, download that. We are in our series uh, called The Farmer, The Plow, and The Vine. We're talking about three mind shifts that we need to make in 2017. I know you're hoping that 2017 is going to be a good year. Can we get some house lights on for these people who got sick because they got their Bibles open? Um, you got to have a mind shift in 2017 if you want God to do something good in your life. And we all have something we want God to do in 2017. You're going to have to shift your thinking a little bit. Last week we talked about the farmer. And we talked about, man, if I will plant it generously, God will grow it exponentially. And so today I want to talk to you about the plow. We got a plow. And so some of you are in a season where you're just giving up and, and you're struggling and you're done and, and you got to got to work that plow. We're going to talk about that today. And so David helps us with this. He wrote in Psalm chapter 65, beginning in verse 9. David, if you're new to church, David was the guy who killed Goliath. He had that little slingshot, killed Goliath, became the king of Israel. He fought a lot of battles, came through a lot of them with great victory. And they believe that he wrote this one after one, maybe one of those battles when he came through a difficult season, but God gave him victory. And read with me, I read out of the New Living Translation, and it says this in verse 9, you take care of the earth and water it, this you being God. You take care of the earth and water it, making it rich and fertile. The river of God has plenty of water. It provides a bountiful harvest of grain, for you have ordered it so. You drench the plowed ground with rain, melting the clods and leveling the ridges. You soften the earth with showers, and you bless it with abundant crops. You crown the year, 2017, with a bountiful harvest. Even the hard pathways, even the hard pathways, even the hard pathways of your life of 2016, even the hard pathways overflow with abundance. Could you imagine that for you? Can you imagine abundance again? For many of you, you can't imagine abundance again. We're going we're gonna to get there today. We're going to get there today. The grasslands of the wilderness become a lush pasture and the hillsides blossom with joy. The meadows, listen, the meadows are clothed with flocks of sheep. And the valleys are carpeted with grain. Can you imagine that for your life? They shout and sing for joy. My prayer for you in 2017, for those of you who've had a really, really hard 2016, where there have been some tears and some heartache and some brokenness and some frustration and some fear and some doubt and some discouragement. I wanna pray over you as we begin to hear from the word of God. I wanna pray over you that you will shout once again and sing for joy. Let's pray. Father, in this moment, we thank you for the gift of your word. And I pray over your people right now that once again, they will shout and they will sing for joy. God, would you help us in this moment? Would your spirit come and speak to us through your word? Church, let's just pray for one another. In this moment, would you just take a second and just pray for the people around you? Let's just think about others for a moment. Man, God, speak to them. 
man, you have a word for them. I don't know what that person faced in 2016. I don't know what their hurdles are, but God, you can speak to them today. Would you do that today? If you're not a follower of Jesus, you can pray, God, would you speak to me? And God says, yeah, I'll I'll speak to you. And then pray for me as your pastor. And I want to be faithful to, to the word God has for us today. And if you're ready to hear from God, in Jesus' name, let's give a big amen. amen. All right. You may be seated. Well, about a month ago, there was a, a storm similar to the one that we just recently are, and are currently going through. You might remember that. And our family went to Missouri to see my nephew's uh, college graduation. And so we uh, went up to Missouri and was in the middle of Missouri, a little town called Rolla, where I graduated high school. And so we were kind of going back to our old stomping grounds. And as we headed up there, uh, it, it started sprinkling on us. But the weather said it was just going to be light rain. And so we were headed up there and we get into Missouri and we get to uh, my nephew's house. And, and uh, my brother-in-law starts talking about this ice storm that's coming. I'm like, no, it's not an ice storm. And it's a Saturday. And so our plan is on this Saturday, we're going to go to the graduation and it's that evening, and then we're going to drive back that night so that I can be back here to preach on Sunday morning. And so we, I'm like, no, no, it's just light rain. We're going to be fine. He's like, no, Brad, I really don't know that you're going to make it back. It's, they're saying, I'm like, no, I got my app. My app says light rain. It's going to be light rain, okay? I, in Jesus' name, it's going to be light rain. And so, um, and sometimes you ever declare it and it doesn't happen. So uh, I knew it was bad when I went out before the graduation to warm up the car so we could drive to the graduation and the car was, was frozen shut. And I was like, yeah, but it's still, I think it's a light rain. It's going to let up. I had that golfer mentality. If you're a golfer, you know, oh, it's going to let up, you know, uh, and, or the fishing mentality. If you're a fisherman, oh, it's just going to let up. And uh, it, it didn't let up. So we went to the graduation and we were in the graduation and I should have been enjoying my nephew's graduation, but I kept checking my weather app to see where the storm was at because I'm like, we're headed back. We're going home. And, and so afterwards, it got even worse. And so we get back to the house. I'm like, well, we got we to gotta go. And so we're at his house and they got a cake. I'm like, hey, blow out the stinking candles. We got to go. And, uh, and so they, we go and I'm like, okay, I got to warm up the car. So I go back out to warm up the car. And so I head out to warm up the car. This time the ice is even thicker on the car, and I I can't get the door open. Then when I finally pry, you ever been there? Like maybe it was that, you ever pried the door open? You you ever had to go in through the passenger door and kick the driver's door open? That's how thick the ice was. And so I get in, and then I go to shut the door, and the door is frozen open. Like the, the latch is not there. So I have to go get a screwdriver. I'm out in this rain sleet thing. It's nine degrees outside. I ain't got no gloves. I'm out there for 20 minutes. I can't feel my fingers trying to fix this door. And I mean, I am cussing this door. No, I mean, I'm praising this door. I'm praising. Sorry, I'm a pastor. I was claiming the promises of God over it. I was declaring the goodness of the Lord over my, no, I was, I was mad. And I was like, come on. And so I finally get the car started and I get it all Thought and I go back inside and my brother-in-law's like, hey, you, you really need to check the weather. And so I did. And I looked at the weather and I looked and I noticed that the interstate, I-44 from Vanita, uh, for, from Joplin all the way to like Miami, Vanita area was all red. It had been completely closed down. And I found out that a couple of semis had overturned. So it was really, really bad. So even if we wanted to get home, we couldn't get home. And I'm like, well, we ain't staying here. <laughs> Any dads in the house like that? We ain't staying here. We're going. I can do it. And so I'm like, maybe we can get to Springfield. And so we got a hotel in Springfield. I'm like, the roads can't be that bad. And so we went out and, and we decided, okay, we're, we're going to leave. And we headed on out and 
gosh, if I shouldn't have thought about my mother and father-in-law who were also leaving, my mother-in-law's 75, my father-in-law's 88, they were leaving as well. Did I follow them out? No, no, I wasn't even thinking about them at the time. And so they headed out actually before us. And when we got out on the roads, it was whiteout conditions. It was rough. We were driving like 20 to 30 miles per hour. It was very, very slow going. And I was worried about my mother-in-law and my father-in-law. And I remember coming up, they were staying just outside of where my nephew lived. And so they weren't driving very far. But, but I remember coming up on the exit, only by the grace of God, when I came up on their exit, did I see them. And they were driving and Sky was like, oh, there's grandma and grandpa. And I'm like, don't wave at him. Don't wave at him. Don't distract him. He's 88 years old. Don't distract him. And so they made it off. They were okay. But we had to continue on. And I mean, I couldn't see in front of me. You ever been in that position where you're just following the car in front of you? You know, you're like, if he goes in a ditch, I'm going in a ditch. You know, and if he goes in, you keep enough distance. And I figured, I was like, well, if I could follow the trucks, if the trucks are still moving, you have that mentality? If the trucks are still moving, I'm still moving. And so I, I kind of had that mentality. It was nine degrees, so cold that the, the windshield wiper fluid froze up. We couldn't even use it. So I'm having to stop periodically at gas stations and, and take a chisel to the, the water thing, the blue ice water stuff, whatever that's called, to try to get the windshield on thawed. In fact, at one point, I was just like, I just filled up one of the water bottles so I would have it in the car so it would unthaw, on, on which, by the way, uh, you should pay attention to that because blue water does not necessarily mean it's Gatorade. Uh, that will keep you awake. It will keep you awake when you're driving. So we are driving, and I cannot see where I'm going. I'm white-knuckling it. You ever white-knuckled it where your, 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 your fingers are so cramped up you can't hardly feel them? It was miserable. We finally got to the hotel at like 10.30 or 11 o'clock that night into Springfield, completely exhausted from this long trip. I remember falling into bed. I remember the alarm going off at 5 a.m. And I remember waking up at 5 a.m. going, I can't do this. It was six degrees outside and I had no idea what was outside that hotel. I was just exhausted. It was Sunday morning and I... Still had a long way to go. You, maybe that's how you feel about 2016. Maybe, maybe that's your story. Like you're just, you're exhausted. When you look back at, at 2016 and you think about, man, you, you know where you want to be in your marriage, but your marriage isn't there. Like everybody looks around and thinks everything's good, but your marriage is not where you would hope it would be. Maybe your relationship or maybe your kids aren't where you hoped your kids would be. Your kids, man, I was hoping that they would be acting different or doing differently or making different decisions and then, and they're not. And you're frustrated because you're like, man, you're trying and you've been working and you've been trying and you're just not getting anywhere. Maybe you're thinking about that job that you got to go to tomorrow and you thought at the end of 2016, surely things would get better, but it has been rough going. It has been slow going. Maybe it's in your finances or it's in your health. I don't know. Maybe it's an addiction or a struggle with some kind of sin pattern you have in your life that you've just not been able to overcome. And, and in 2016, man, you're just like, man, I know what it feels like. And it's just been slow going. And you're waking up in 2017 and you realize you're not there. And you still got a long way to go. And you're tired and, and, and you're worn out and, and you're wondering, man, am I, 
Am I ever going to get there? Is it even worth it to, to keep going? When, when I was on the road, honestly, I didn't know what was going to happen around the next bend. If you've ever been in a, anybody ever been in a blinding blizzard snowstorm driving? Raise your hand if you have. Okay, so you know this feeling. You've read this feeling like you're going, it's a complete whiteout, and then it lets up, and you're like, all right, we're good. And then you go like a quarter of a mile and it hits you again and you're like, we're not good. And you wonder, am I ever going to come out of this? And then you come around the corner, it gets a little bit better, then it gets a little worse. And you just wonder, is that the pattern sometimes for us in life? You think, man, it's like, it's horrifically awful conditions in the situation that you've been dealing with. And you think, is it going to, is it going to get better? And it lets up and you're like, it's going to get better. Only to find that a few days, a few months, a few weeks later, it just gets worse, not better. The one thing I was excited to see on that highway was the snowplow. Man, when I saw the snowplow, I saw those blinking yellow lights. I was like, I'm following that guy because I love the snowplow. Here's the thing I love about a snowplow. You ever notice a snowplow? A snowplow doesn't pull over to the side of the road and wait for it to let up. The snowplow keeps going no matter the conditions, no matter what it is like. When everybody else is stopped, everybody else got a hotel for the night, that guy in that snowplow, he is still going and pushing down the road. Listen, I want to talk to you today for a few minutes about a different kind of plow. I want to talk to you about plowing the hard soil of life, the hard soil where you're hoping for a harvest. Because here's the thing I know. You won't plow if you don't think there's going to be a harvest. If you don't think a harvest is coming, you're going to pull that plow out of the ground and you're going to quit and you're going to give up. So in 2017, what, what harvest are you hoping for? What area of, of your life? Maybe I've already identified it or maybe, maybe I haven't. But what is it in 2017 that you're, you're hoping for a harvest. And if you want to have a harvest, you're gonna have to plow. I wish I had better news for you, but you're gonna have to plow. If you're taking notes, I'd like for you to write this down, okay? This is simple. This is my simple thought for you today. Get a plow and get to plowing. Get a plow and get to plowing. Turn to somebody and tell them, hey, get a plow and get to plowing. Come on, turn somebody around, get a plow and get to plowing. This is what we've got to do if we want to see a harvest. So David, he, he reminds us of this, and he says, he tells us that, that we plow. We plow, but we need the rain to bring about the harvest. Plowing does not work if there is no rain. You can plow all day long, and you can plow, and you can plow, but if it don't rain, there's no harvest coming. And so David says, if you will plow it, you need the rain to go with it, and when the rain comes, then the harvest will come. Look, look with me. He says it this way in Psalm 65, 9. He says this about God. You take care of the earth and you water it, making it rich and fertile. Let's say this together. What? The river of God has plenty of water. Say it again. The river of God has plenty of water. Turn to somebody and tell them God has plenty of water. God has plenty of water to go around. And it says it provides a bountiful harvest of grain, for you have ordered it so. I think one of the reasons that we are 
defeated and depleted is because we're trying to make it rain. It's like uh, trying to water your yard in Oklahoma in the middle of August with a watering can. Like a lot of good that's going to do. You're out there, you're trying to get that sucker to grow. It ain't going to do nothing. And some of you, that's what you're doing. You've, in 2016, you've been out there with your little watering can. I'm going I'm to try this in my marriage. And, and I'm going to try this with my kids. And, and I'm going to try this with my job. And you're just sprinkling. Just a little sprinkle of water, a little sprinkle of water here. And, and I'm going to try this. You know what? School didn't go good for me. Now I'm coming in 2017. So in school, I'm going to work the soil this way. I'm going to get out there with my little watering can. And I'm going to try to make it rain. And I'm going to try to make something grow. And what David says is, you can't do that. Because my job is not to make it rain. Your job is not to make it rain. My job is to plow. It's God's job to make it rain. God's, that's a good place to say amen. It's God's job to make it rain. Amen? Amen. Come on, let's say it like we mean it. My job is to plow. God's job is to rain. Amen? Amen? Man, that's what God is there for. That's who he is. That's what he wants to do for us. This is what David is trying to get said to us in verses 9 through 11 over and over again. They, each of those verses start with the word you and turn to somebody and tell them he ain't talking about you. The you in this story is God. This is who David's talking about. He says, you, you take care of the earth and water it. You drench the plowed ground with rain. You soften the earth with showers. You crown the year with the harvest. And in verse 9, look back at verse 9 again. It says, the river of God has what? Let's say it again. What? Plenty of water. Listen, unlike the river of Arkansas, the river of God has plenty of water. I don't know what it is about our river and why they can't figure it out, but that is the ugliest thing I've ever seen in my life. I mean, that is nothing says, hey, come live in Tulsa like our river. (laughs) Nothing says to business people, ah, come here. It's luscious and beautiful. They should rename it the Arkansas Sand Dunes. That would be much better. Be a better tourist thing. Run some buggies out there or something. Here's the thing. I went down south. I, I went down south, and, and when I went down south on, a, on my prayer retreat a few days ago, guess what I found down south at the Arkansas River? Water! There's water in that river. Guess what? You go further up north and see the Arkansas River. Guess what it has in it? Water. But in Tulsa, we ain't got no water. Why do we not have water in the Arkansas River? Anybody? Do you know why? We have a dam problem, right? Be careful with the inflection there. <laughs> Keep it PG. <laughs> we have a dam problem or we have a dam problem. I don't know. You, you, you go with it. Turn to somebody and tell them you have a dam problem. Inflection, inflection. It's all in the inflection, people. This is the house of God. Keep it pure. Keep it right. Some of you are like, oh, he's been fasting for 14 days. And you just talk like that in the house of God. I can't believe it. Come on, people. (laughs) Listen, in our lives, when we cut God out of the process, we dam up the very resources we need, the very rain that we need when I try to figure it out and when I try to do it on my own. And when I cut off the resources of God, what happens? I begin to dry up. So you got to ask yourself, man, if I am in a dry season, 
Could it be that I have dammed up the very resources of God that I need? Could it be that I'm out there with the watering can trying to fix whatever it is I'm trying to fix and nothing is growing? It's just dying in the heat of August. And here's how you know that you have dammed up the very resources of God that you need because stress comes on you. When you sense stress in your life, guess what? You got to think, hey, wait a second, wait a second. I'm, I'm trying to do this. I'm trying to make it rain. You're getting frustrated. You get frustrated, doubt, discouragement comes on you. Anger even comes on you. God, why is this not changing? You look at that person, you're like, why are you not changing? You look at your job and you go into your job and you drive to work and you're going to get your car tomorrow and you just are, you're gripping the wheel, you're white knuckling because you're like, I hate this job. Man, I'm sick of this job. Man, it's, nothing's changing. You're going to get in your car. You're going to go to school tomorrow. You're going to drive out of that campus. You're like, I hate this school. Man, nothing goes right for me at this school. Could it be that you're trying to make it rain? Because what I've seen in my life over and over again is when those kinds of things come on me, stress and frustration and anger and doubt and discouragement and fear, I realize I'm trying to make it rain and I'm not looking to the rain of God. But have you ever seen the Arkansas River when it's full of water? That thing is breathtakingly beautiful. It is full, it is rich, and it is beautiful. Why? Because they opened up the dam and they let the water flow. And I wonder if in our lives, if we just would turn to God in those seasons where we're dry, where we're frustrated, where we can't get up and do it one more time, if we just turn to God in that moment and say, God, will you you make it rain? And could it be in that moment that God just might bring enough rain to loosen up that hard ground so that you could keep on plowing? This is what David tells us. This is the promise. He says this. He says, when God makes it rain, he calls this, he says, the, the soil becomes rich and, and fertile. Isaiah 58, 11 talks about this, about the rich and the fertile ground and how when God makes it rain and what happens. This is uh, my wife, Laura's favorite scripture. It's her, her life verse. In fact, she's going to be talking, ladies, she's going to be talking about this at the uh, refresh night of worship for our lady. So in February, when that comes around, she's going to be teaching on this very verse uh, for you. And this is what it says in Isaiah 58, 11. The Lord will guide you continually. And let's say this together. Doing what? Giving you water when you are dry. Giving you water when you are dry. And restoring your strength. You will be like a well-watered garden, like an ever-flowing spring. God, listen, God's going to give you the water for the dry ground. He's going to restore your strength. This is what the rain of God can do in your life. Okay, when the rain, when you don't have strength, when you're worn out, when you're tired and you don't know what to do, you turn to God, the river of God, and you let him rain on you, he will give you strength through his Holy Spirit so that you can continue to keep that plow in the ground. Listen, when you're frustrated and, and, and you, you don't know what you're going to do at that situation and you're on your way to work and you just, oh, and it's just amping up in you or you're going to meet with that person and, and you're backwards or upside down with them and, and that frustration comes upon you and you're so eaten up with maybe bitterness or unforgiveness or frustration. Listen, when you turn to God, the peace of God will rain down on you. This is what he wants to do. When you're discouraged... It's not going to turn around. 
It's not going to change. Man, I tried, preacher man. I tried. Appreciate your little scriptures. Thanks a lot. You're dry. You're dry. And you can't make it rain. But if you turn to God, I can promise you this. In a dry and thirsty land, when you, when you turn to God, when you're discouraged, man, he will rain down hope on you. And it put just enough water in that ground that you can keep on plowing. So if you want God to send the rain, you got to get a plow. And you got to get to plowing. This is what David tells us. Look at verse 10. He says this, you drench what? The plowed ground. You drench the plowed ground. Say, I got some work to do. I got some work to do. Come on, turn to somebody and say, I got some work to do. I got a part to play. It's on me. There's something I need to do. That's what David says. You, God, you drench the plowed ground with rain, melting the clods and leveling the ridges. Now, I don't know anything about farming. I don't pretend to know farming. If you do, you can come up afterwards and you can correct me for the second service so I can get this farming theology correct, okay? But this is my best at, at it. But the one thing I do know about plowing and learning about plowing is the whole idea and the reason that you plow, the front end of that plow is there to turn up the soil. It's got to dig in and turn up the soil because the most fertile soil is just underneath the hard ground, underneath the hard surface. This is why you've got to plow the hard ground. If you've got hard ground in your life, a hard ground in a situation, you got to let God and you got to get with God and you got to plow that ground. You got to let him turn up the hard ground because the answers you need, the rich fertile soil that you need is hidden just below the surface that the enemy doesn't want you to have access to. Now, here's the thing that some farmers do that I learned about. And it's this thing called deep plowing. And some farmers do this thing called deep plowing. And what they will do is they will go down not just six to eight inches, which is what you're supposed to do. They'll go down upwards of two feet. And so they will dig down deep and turn that soil up. And and when they do that, they get a quick, bountiful crop. I mean, it comes fast. But the problem is when they dig that deep, they damage the soil and they hurt the soil. And then eventually, nothing will grow from that soil because of the deep, deep digging that they're doing. Isn't that true sometimes for us? We try so hard. I'm going to make it happen. I'm going to do something. And what do you do? You dig deep, don't you? I am going to get this soil to turn and something is going to grow. And so you force it and you dig deep. And what happens when you do that is you damage the soil. So what I I want to say to you is this, is just keep plowing. You don't have to plow real. Just just, you have to be consistent. Just keep plowing. Just keep turning up soil. Just keep, I'm going to keep the plow in the ground in that situation. And that's sort I'm going to keep the plow in the ground. And I'm just going to keep turning up the soil. And I'm going to trust that God is going to bring the rain. If I just keep the plow in the ground and I, I just keep turning it up, God is going to, he's going to eventually bring the rain and then something is going to grow from this. This is the story of the Bible. This is the story of Scripture. We see this over and over again. Joseph, in the very beginning, in Genesis, Joseph is this guy that God gives a dream to. He has this amazing dream. Do you have a dream? Is God giving you a dream? Is that dream about dead? Is your dream almost dead? 
Guess what? Joseph has this dream, and, and he's like, man, I'm going to do this. But if you know that story, what happened to him? Man, his brothers threw him in a pit, tried to kill him. And then on top of that, he goes from the pit, and he goes to the, to the prison. And he could have just forced it in that moment. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to change this situation. I'm going to do something about it. I'm going to make things happen. But if you look at his story, you see that Joseph was just consistent. He just kept plowing. Kept believing the dream of God, kept plowing, kept trusting God, kept trusting God, kept trusting God till God elevated him eventually to the palace. Moses, Moses, God came to him, burning bush, man, I'm going to give you the promised land. Some of you have that. God has given you a vision for something good in your life, this promised land that he's given to you, and all of a sudden you run into a plague. And, and guess what? Moses didn't run into one plague. He ran into 10 of them. And he could have just said, you know what? I am done with you, Pharaoh. And he could have just forced it. I mean, he could have just taken his staff and just like taken his head off or something. I mean, he could have just got angry and said, I'm going to do whatever. I'm going to make this happen. But he didn't. He just consistently went back, time in, time again, time again, going back to Pharaoh. Pharaoh says, no, I'm going to go back again. I'm going to keep the plow on the ground. I'm going to keep turning up the soil and God's going to send the rain. He goes and, and Pharaoh says, no. And he goes back and he says, I'm going to keep the plow in the ground. And any time, any one of those moments, Moses could have said, I'm done. I'm done. I ain't plowing no more. I'm taking my plow. I'm setting it aside because no rain is coming. But he didn't. Moses just kept his plow on the ground and he kept turning it up until eventually Pharaoh said, you can go. And the children of Israel went to the promised land. David, the, the author of this psalm, man, God gave him a vision, anointed him and said, you're going to be the next king of Israel. You're going to be the king of Israel. He didn't know he was going to end up on the run. He was going to be hunted that the king who was on the throne, was going to hunt him down and try to kill him. And he's living in a cave, and he was in a cave at one point. He could have killed the king. He could have killed the king in the cave. He could have dug that plow deep and said, right in this moment, he's been hunting me down. Things aren't going right for me. This is my moment. I'm going to kill him, and I'm going to take the throne. But he doesn't do that. And David continues on the run. He doesn't kill the king, and he just keeps the plow on the ground. He keeps turning up the soil, plow on the ground. He keeps turning up the soil, and then God eventually sends the rain. And David ends up as the greatest king Israel has ever known. Paul, the author of most of the New Testament, man, this guy loved churches. He wanted to start churches, so he went out and started a bunch of churches. And what did it get him? Prison. It got him beatings. It got him lashings. It got him mocked. It got him almost killed at times. And he could have just taken that plow out of the ground and just thrown it and said, God, I'm done with this. I'm done with this. Here you call me out, and I'm going to be the voice to the Gentiles, and I'm going to be the missionary, and I'm going to change the world with the gospel of Jesus. You see what it's getting me? I'm done. Plow out of the ground. Good luck. But he doesn't do that. Man, Paul, he just keeps a plow in the ground. He's in prison. He's, he, read his letters. He, he's in prison. He's got the plow on the ground. He's turning up the soil. He has the plow on the ground, and he's turning up the soil over and over again, writing letters from prison, giving glory to God all the way through that God's going to send the rain. You read his letters in prison. He's like, God's going to send the rain. I'm just going to keep plowing, and God's going to send the rain. And church after church after church was birthed because of Paul. I mean, all the way up to Jesus. Man, Jesus comes for the salvation of the world. The salvation of the world. And what does it get him? Ridiculed, beaten, mocked, spit upon, rejected by everyone, carrying a cross through town. He could have taken that cross. He was a man. In that moment, he could have taken that cross, chucked it like a plow and said, I'm done with this. This is not what I signed up for. You're going to have to do it another way. But he didn't. He put that cross on his back, and he walked the streets 
all the way to Calvary. He kept the plow in the ground and kept turning up the soil. Kept the plow in the ground and kept turning up the soil. He went to that cross, went to the grave, and then God made it rain. And it rained, and the Spirit of God raised him from the dead. This is what God wants to do for you. This is what he wants to do for me in 2017 if we will get a plow and we will get to plowing. If we will continue to plow. But this is is the thing about plowing. It's hard. The soil is tough. It is rocky. Uh, He uses the words clods and, and ridges. This is what David uses, this clods and these ridges. Come on, does that not describe your situation? Clods and ridges and just hard, difficult soil. A couple years ago, I was talking with Aunt Mary, and some of you know my Aunt Mary. Uh, she makes the best homemade rolls and the best biscuits and gravy you have ever had. And a couple years ago, she was in town, and we were sitting down talking, and she was talking to me about struggles. She was talking to me about difficulties, and I just never forget what she said to me. She said, you know what? Sometimes you got to start out on a gravel road before you hit blacktop. Man, that is some of the best scripture I have ever heard. (laughs) Is that not true about your life? Listen, whatever your situation is, wherever you are, you ain't going to start out on blacktop. You're going to start on the gravel road. And that means you're going to be spinning your wheels. That means you're going to be swerving all over the place. But if you stay on that gravel road long enough, If you keep plowing and you keep turning up soil, eventually you're going to get on the blacktop and you're going to get some traction and God is going to make it rain and you are going to see a harvest. I believe that for you. If you believe that, can I just get get, amen? Can you just say amen to that? Man, let's just make it so for 2017. One more time, say amen. Man, amen. May it be so. Turn to somebody and say, may it be so. Man, may it be so for all of us in our lives. And here's the thing. God has a promise for those who get a plow and get to plowing. God has a promise for those of us who will keep our plow in the ground and not pull it out of the soil. And here it is in verse 11. He says this, you, God, you crown the year with what? These are two amazing words that you probably need to circle in your Bible or you need to write down or you need to highlight on your mobile device. You crown the year with what? Let's say it loud and proud. With what? A bountiful harvest. One more time. A bountiful harvest. That's the promise for God for you. Crowning the year with a bountiful harvest. What's the bountiful harvest you need? God wants to crown this year. He wants to stick a crown on it. Now, here's the thing. It might be a crown of thorns at first. But didn't our Savior have a crown of thorns at first? But that crown turned into a crown with jewels on it, and now he sits at the right hand of the Father. This is our God. This is what he wants to do for you. This is what he wants to do. And says, even the hard pathways overflow with abundance. Just imagine that. Imagine God crowning this year, 2017, with a bountiful harvest. But this is the thing. I know this to be so true. If you focus on the plowing, you will stop plowing. If you focus on the plowing, you're going to stop plowing. But if you focus on the harvest that you want, if you focus on the harvest that God has promised for you, you'll keep the plow in the ground. This was a story for Joseph. He's in the pit. He's in prison. But he remembers the dream. 
He remembers the harvest. He believes in the promise of God, and he keeps his plow in the ground. Moses, God gave him a promise. You're going to the promised land. You're going to lead my people. And plague after plague after plague, Pharaoh, no after no after no. He kept the plow in the ground because he wasn't focused on the no. He wasn't focused on Pharaoh. He didn't care about Pharaoh, what he thought about was God and the promise of God. So he got his eyes off of Pharaoh and he got his eyes up on God. David, when he was being hunted down, he didn't look at the people who were coming against him over and over again. You can read his Psalms that he wrote so eloquently over and over again. He said, man, they're hunting me, but my eyes are on you, God. My eyes are on the harvest. You had a promise, God. You said that I was going to be king. You anointed me, God, with oil, said I was going to be king. It don't look like I'm going to be king. I'm even in the enemy's camp right now. I'm as far from being the king of this nation. I'm in another nation now. But in that moment, he didn't focus on the enemy or the land that he wasn't supposed to be in. He was focused on the promise. He was focused on the harvest. Paul focused on the churches. Read his letters. He's in prison. He doesn't care. He's getting beaten. He just barely mentions it. He barely mentions it. And over and over again, he focuses on the churches, the churches that God has called him to plant. And Jesus, Jesus, he didn't focus on on the cross and the pain and the agony and the struggle, which were so real. He was a human. He was human like you and I, felt the pain, felt the nails, felt the lashes, felt the weight of that cross, carrying it so heavy. Somebody had to help him to carry it. But all the way there, you know what he saw? He saw you. He saw you. He saw me. He saw the world. And he said, I'm going there because of the harvest that can come. He knew you were the harvest. He knew the harvest was going to come. He knew that in 2017, you were going to sit in this seat and that you were going to cry out to him for help, for mercy, and for grace. And because of that, he said, well, if they're going to do that, if that's the harvest that's coming, I can keep on plowing. So keep on plowing. Keep on plowing. Focus on the promise because God's promise is this. Even the hard pathways overflow with abundance. So when I got up the next day after that snowstorm, I didn't know what the roads were going to be like. It was like six degrees and I loaded the family up and I was like, here we go. And when we got out on the highway, they were perfectly clear. Plows had worked all night long. The storm had passed, and it was just easy going all the way home. I would have never known that if I didn't get up and get going. And that's what I want to encourage you with today. Could it be, could it be if you just get up one more time and you put that plow on the ground and you plow it just a little bit further that God will bring the rain and that this could be the moment in your life where if I'll just plow it a little bit further, God is going to bring about harvest. I want to pray that over you. Would you bow your heads? Father, in this moment, many here have been plowing some hard ground. Today, if you are the one who's taken the plow out of the ground because you're frustrated and you're worn out, in this moment, would you just Call out to God for the rain. Call out for the strength. God, would you give me the strength to put the plow back in the ground? I want to I encourage you, don't give up 
on the dream that God has given to you. Don't give up on the harvest that God has promised for you. No matter how dead God can do a resurrection, he resurrected the Savior of, of the world, our Savior, you're my, my Savior. He, he resurrected Jesus. If he can do that, he can resurrect your situation. He can bring about a harvest and he can make it rain. Pray for the rain of God and commit. God, I'm gonna put a plow back in the ground. Maybe you've got that plow on the ground and you're tired. You just need, God, I need some rain. I need some rain. I need your spirit to rain down on me. God, I pray your spirit right now would rain down upon your people. Rain down upon them. Bring strength where there is people who are weak. Bring hope where people are discouraged, God. Bring peace where someone today is frustrated and anger and bitter. God, would you bring your peace and your hope and your healing upon your people today? If you're not a follower of Jesus, I want to invite you into a relationship with Jesus today. I want every follower of Jesus, I want you praying right now for those who are far from God. They need your prayers right now. Would you just begin praying for those who are far from God? Today is your day for salvation. You can't do 2017 alone. You cannot resurrect that situation. You can't make it rain. You can keep trying, but I'm just telling you, it's dry ground and it is not going to bring about a harvest without the rain of God in your life. And what I mean by that is it's this recognition that I need a savior. I can't live this life on my own. Man, it's recognizing, man, I'm a sinner and, and I, I, I've hurt people, I've hurt myself. And Man, if this is who Jesus is, you mean he came for me? Yes, he came for you. The salvation of the world means you and your situation. And he says, man, I can forgive that sin. I can turn you around. I can make it rain in your life. My spirit will come into you. And all you got to do is recognize him. Jesus, the son of God, risen again on the third day. Place your hope in him. Seek forgiveness. And he says, man, I call you my child. Man, if that's the cry of your heart today, I welcome you into the kingdom of God. I welcome you into the family of God. Today, your sins are forgiven. Today, you are a follower of Jesus. Father, thank you so much that you make it rain and we can count on your reign in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. amen.